It's just around the corner from where I lived. Um, so I, as soon as I took it off, I was on the scene pretty quickly. And I was on the chain gang lifting the rubble. 18 months old baby in a prom was killed. And that kind of way set my mindset. If they can do this to us, I'm quite prepared to do the same to them. Just before, before I turned 15, I joined a Young Citizen Volunteer, which is a junior wing of EVF. I was 11 actually at this stage. Um, I can remember standing and looking up Dover Street, watching these tracer bullets flying up a street. Convinced that the IRA were coming down to kill us all. Um, Eddie, th uh, thank you very much for sitting down with me. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, can you do us a bit of a favour? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about um, your 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 life over the decades and your prison time to time the UVF and everything. Um, can you give us an idea um, about where you grew up and what, what it was like? You were born there in 57. Um, I grew up in uh, Lower Shankle. Um, pretty much uh, lived in a two-up, two-down house. Um, uh, there was, uh, eventually there was six, uh, three sisters and two brothers. Um, so there was eight of us in a two-bedroom house. Um, so the, the conditions that I grew up would have been no different to people on the Falls Road. Um, pretty much pretty much for the, the same kind of conditions. Um, so, I mean, it's... Whilst, whilst saying the conditions were the same, um, I don't think it has ever been a normal society in my experience. Um and I, I mean, what's the definition of a normal society in the first place? But um, there has always been sectarian tensions from, which um, is just from as, for as long as I can remember. Um, I mean, way before the troubles started, um, if you were on a bus and the bus was driving past the chapel, the Catholics crossed themselves. And so if you didn't cross yourself, you were identified as a Protestant. And that could, depending on the age group, it could lead to um, fisticuffs. Um, at, the, uh, at the cinemas, at the end of the night, where cinemas were played the National Anthem, uh, the pros stood up for the National Anthem, the Catholics didn't, and that would have led to then, um, depending on the numbers and depending on the age group, potential uh, first day cops outside the even cinema. Like, sorry, even things like like saying Derry or Londonderry is another. No, no, I mean Derry. Um, growing up for me, I always knew of them of the as, as the apprentice boys at Derry, so I never had really? a problem. Yeah, I never had a problem with uh, calling it Derry. It's only been as a result of the conflict that um, people have adapted to. Um, the London Derry title, and uh, I mean, I thought Jerry um, Jerry Anderson coined it well, calling it Stroke City, uh, <laughs> because the, they're pronouncing it Derry London Derry, the, the stroke in it. So, I mean, effectively, that's a, how they would have. Um, how he, he ended up referring to it, but I mean, there's there was, I mean, it's. There was a fair amount of integration pre um, the troubles in the sixties. I mean, from a con, a, a leading Sinn Féin uh, councillor, uh, would have come into my house at the weekends, um, chasing my older sister. I had been a kid, but I mean, I can remember uh, about twenty years back attending a, a con conference where uh, Fra was at it, and he hadn't realised who I was. Um, Jackie Redpath, who had organised the um, conference, had bantered saying I was wearing a, a yellow shirt to accommodate Fra. And a bit of banter took place. When I got got a hold of Fra later on, I said, Fra, you don't realise who I am. If I tell you my sister's name, you'll know. Um, you'll you'll know straight away. And he says, well, well what's your sister's name? And I says, I don't know. And he says... Okay, I used to my Celtic scarf going into your house. <laughs> Where I I actually ended up living on the corner of Dover Street 
and West, I lived in Westmoreland Street on the, the end house, which um, ran on to Dover Street. So uh, I was pretty close to where it all erupted in Belfast. Um, I, I was I was going to ask you there, maybe for, for someone who's not so familiar with um, with kind of Belfast geography, Sh- Shankill Road is obviously n- known for, for being very much a loyalist area. C- can you can you give us an idea of where it is in relation to um, relation to like like the main Catholic areas? And when you were growing up, was it as uh, as Protestant um, d- dominant as uh, as it would be known through uh, through the 70s, 80s, 90s? Um, there, there would have been small amounts of Catholics that would have been living um, in some of the side streets. The Shankill and the Falls Road pretty much run parallel. Um, well, there are spokes coming from the 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 town, the the city centre. Uh, they pretty much run parallel for a fair for the fair length of the Shankill. Um, I mean, it, the the falls runs in and and the um, Springfield Road, so that I mean uh, the and all of the streets that are parallel, they they would run from one end of they'd run from the falls onto the shankle, um, and across the shankle the 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 ends the streets would have run from the shankle to the Crumlin Road, um. So those those three arterial routes in, in and out of the city centre, um, and they intermingled to a degree. Um, some people did mix. Um, I mean, a, a lot of the pubs in and around the Shankill area were owned by Catholics. The majority, a big majority, of them would have been Catholic owned. And um, there you know, there's been a lot of mixing and interaction the only times you would have had tensions would have been at the, at the 12th um just you had tension and arguments i mean it, nothing major but you, you Sorry, know, around, did you say did you say around the 12th yeah the marching season Okay, around marching season. Yeah, you you might um I I I've quite a few um I I have a chunk of um of North American um viewers. I'm 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 over in America. Like um you 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 might you might briefly explain to us there kind of what marching season is and 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 how it does stoke uh, stoke these tensions. Well, the marching season um starts usually around March through to um August. And there's all sorts of different commemorations that the uh, Loyal Orange Order, Apprentice Boys, and Black Perceptory all have during through these periods. Um, and it, the the main twelfth of July period is a commemoration of the uh, success of William III in the um, sixteen eighty uh, battle. So that's all that. That's a big commemoration every every year here. That's a major thing. The um, predominant Protestant community, the, the pre-60s, a lot of Catholics really went and watched it and not been offended by it. But uh, as a result of the Troubles, it's it's become seriously contentious. And our, I mean, it, pre the uh, Troubles, there would have been tension in and around at the bonfires on the 11th night with people getting drunk and getting abusive, um, but it never it was never really bad. I mean, it just uh, you still would have had Catholics come along it and having a drink. Um, but after the trouble erupted, it just came pretty much in a, a, a contentious issue. Um, and the way the parades, the, the culture of the parades, are that each year. Um, it, 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 it's listed that there's thousands of parades take place, but effectively, each year the worshipful master of the the lodge changes, and the banner for the particular lodge is moved to the new master's house. So they have to put in um, parade permissions for these to take place. So if you think of the amount of lodges and the amount of um, changes that are taking place, they all mount up. 
and they come across on paper, they look like there's a massive amount of parades taking place when effectively it's one barn and one lodge, moving the banner from one ma- the past master's house to the new master's house. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main the main actual parade on the twelfth, they all meet together, um, and parade to a, a field where they predominantly they, they have talking sessions where it's it's all predominantly heavily religious, um, with political influence uh, mixed in with it. Um, you you mentioned there earlier about um about like just one example was was passing on the bus when when you pass Catholic church p- p- people bless themselves and 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 you would uh you would then identify kind of who's who's Protestant who's Catholic, um again for for people who who might know um throughout most of the, the troubles anyway the, the population was around one point four to one point six million in the north and the ratio of Catholic Protestant was about sixty forty um. Uh, uh, Protestants being being sixty percent. Did it feel did it feel like you were part of a majority? Um, growing up with that kind of thing. Um, well, you were constantly being told that we were the people, um, and I think a, a large proportion of people swallowed that. Um, technically, um, if you if you break down the different Protestant religions, such as a Presbyterian, Church of Ireland, Methodist. Actually, the Catholic population is is the the majority. Okay, counting counting Catholic as as one block, and then yeah. Protestant as fair enough. I I mean, I I think for a lot of people though, the Protestant Catholic divide is more. In some ways, it's kind of more proxy for um being um being uh, considering yourself part of Britain or or considering yourself Irish. Would I be right in saying all those Protestant groups would still be would still be unionists, though, even though they may be different different sects of Protestantism? Yeah, they'd be predominantly unionist. There would be the few of them that would be. Um, well, I would say quite a number have no problem with uh, declaring to have an Irish identity. You know, I mean that's it's a, it's only the loud mouths that you hear saying um, the Paisleys and DUP. Of this world that would prefer to take the Ulster Scots label as opposed to um, identify with um, being Irish. And you have a tendency to have to argue a corner that the, the men that went and fought in the Somme were proud of their Irish identity. A large proportion of them were proud of their Irish identity, proud to be able to speak. Irish, so I mean that's a lot of that has been lost um, to the Protestant community as a result of conflict. I, on the on the note of like being British or, or considering yourself British or Irish, um, did you did you feel like um, the the Brits of like England, Scotland, Wales um, would have considered you to be a fellow Brit? And and, and sorry, I I forgot to ask it, but but I assume I assume you considered yourself like like a British person growing up. Yeah, no question about it. Um, this certainly would have been something that they were um, often highlighting. There was, there, I mean, I think we we have grown up and like a, with a siege mentality, in that Irish nationalists are trying to remove our British identity from us, and by as a result of it, um, we exaggerate we exaggerate our Britishness and deny our Irishness. And the Northern Irish nationalists exaggerate their Irishness um, and deny their Britishness. Uh, I would say you as a Southerner would see that the, um, Northern Irish nationalists promote themselves and pro- promote their Irish identity more so than Southern Irish. Did, did, did you think, um, in my opinion now, I haven't really even seen anything like survey that or anything, but, but I'd, be willing to, I'd be willing to bet that if you stopped um, like the average person in England will say, and ask them just quickly, their name the name the people who make up British people. Um, I, I think for most of them, if they'd even remember Northern Ireland, it would be an afterthought. They would say England, Scotland, Wales, and be, oh yeah, Northern Ireland. Um, did 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 you feel, did you feel as if they considered would have considered you to be like like a fellow Brit, like like a proper fellow Brit? 
No, I don't. I mean, it's a constant issue with, and it can be a shock to Northern Protestants whenever they go across to England and the English refer to them as parties. Um, they get deeply offended by it. Um, and it becomes a first time it happens to them, it becomes a shock. Very nearly comes the blues um, because they're that offended. So, I mean, I would, I would be very much aware that they, they don't see us um, on a on a on a same level as British citizen as them. Um, g- growing up, growing up in like your childhood and and teens, um, what was what what have been what would have been your relationship like with the with the RUC? I I do know that that most Catholics, or maybe not most Catholics, but 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 a, but but a good a good portion of the Catholic community would have seen the RUC as being like an oppressive force and. Uh, a, a group who are very much working against them. Uh, w- w- would it be would it be the same with them? Did, did it feel like they were on on your side in in any way? And where I grew up, we would have thought pretty similar. Um, the RUC didn't treat us any different or any better than the uh, people in the falls. Um, any issues that nationalists have experienced. Um, can pretty much be um, pointed to similar experiences happening in working class areas like a Shaggle, Saudi Row and East Belfast. The RUC would have been would have treated them the same. Um, I mean, I can remember coming home from Linfield matches, um, specifically for the Red, um, but we would stop at uh, Unity Flats at the bottom of the Shaggle. I told Catholic nationalist housing flats and we would stop there to sing the Queen and the RUC would be uh, pushing us to move us on and our child then was SSRUC you know, so I mean they, we weren't we weren't enamored by the RUC they treated us um, a little different I think if you ask a middle class um, unionist or Protestant you'll get a different response um, but effectively the RUC didn't live in our areas, you know. I mean, they, they particularly all the troubles um, kicked in. The RUC, like, practically had a their own housing estates where they could live in um, and not be exposed at either side. So, so you're 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 saying it was more it was kind of more of a class issue. It it, it, it didn't come across at all. Like, like I mean, for anyone who doesn't know that the RUC, I think. I think the ratio most of the most of the time was like 90, 90 10 Protestant Catholic. Did, did that come across to you at all? I think I think it, it was obvious that, that that was an issue. Um and that because of how the Ulster Unionists managed the state. Um and I mean they would have always the, the RUC would have been always at, at those orange order parades. The RUC would have been dictating what took place. Um, so that we never seen them as our our police force. You know, we would have had a similar attitude towards the RUC that nationalists would, but the, I don't think that they would have seen it. The nationalists would have seen that our opposition to them. I mean, there's all sorts of ironies in it. I mean, the, the first policeman shot dead in the Troubles was shot dead on the shackle. Um, and the rat that night was a rat uh, um, because the B specials were being disbanded and guns were being taken off the RUC so loyalists went out and ratted with the police and army consequently um, Constable Arpole was shot dead uh, the, the loyalists were in favour of the RUC be, being more heavily armed yeah yeah why? Why so? If 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 you didn't feel like if you didn't feel like they're on your side, well, it, was, it would have been that would have been unionist, um, middle class politicians leading that. I mean, I I, I would, enhance looking back at the the Orange Order, I would view the Orange Order as a controlling mechanism that middle class unionists used to control and manipulate um, working class and dis- disadvantaged Protestants. That's that. That's in hindsight looking at that. Um, 
growing up with it, you just loved the tradition. You loved the marching, the the bands, and the um, attention that it all that it all brought. And it, there it was. There was no question about it. It's uh, it was a there was a superiority element to it that it's it um emitted, I think. But yeah, you, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think that was that would have been the reason why I followed it. I mean, at, at the but but the age of six or seven, myself and a cousin followed a bond up the Clifton Street Orange Hall, the one twelfth. And when we get up to the Orange Hall, um, a couple of orange men approached us with kids and said, "Do you want to carry a string of honor?" So. We said yes, so um, we, uh, we they put a sash on us and we carried the string of honour to the field. Um, for doing that, they paid us about two quid. Um, we were getting sandwiches, sweets, biscuits, um, tins of lemonade, um, things that your parents couldn't afford to give you. And this was, I, I want to be part of this, I want to do this. Um, as often as I can. So, I mean, that that would have been how you, I would have been introduced to it, and it would have been that element of it that I was attracted to. I wouldn't have had a clue. When it did, it, it did join the Junior Orange, um, and I discovered that it is a deeply religious organisation. You have to learn this Orange Catechism. Um, did, did it feel? Did it feel growing up as if? As if n- n- not that ye were like first class citizens or anything, but did it feel as if the Catholics um were were second class citizens in some way or treated that way? Did did it feel like you kind of kind of had some sort of an advantage that that, that Catholics would have would have felt you had? I think I think that was something that uh, it, it did give that um, uh, that level of there is an, an element of superiority um, and there, there, there was a, some level of having some kind of superiority but the, and the reality of it was in the areas that we lived in there was no difference the superiority land has a middle class unionist um, can you take me to uh, can you take me to a time in 1969 um, troubles are kind of kicked off slash kicking off you're you're twelve years old. I I read in um God in this old uh, Chicago Tribune article that you remember at the age of twelve the next day after after a number of houses I believe on the on the Falls Road were were p- people were uh not, not evicted but you, you know kicked out of their homes and and, and their homes burned out. Do, do you remember? Can you take me back to? Yeah, to- I mean I I think crucially the the civil rights protests that were taking place. Um, and Paisley's opposition to them, drumming up tension against it. And then you had the Burnt Hallett um, bridge attack and then the rioting up in Derry as a result of it. They'd been rioting for three days in Derry. and Belfast, the tension you could taste. Um, and the, the rumours were rife that they were going to start, uh, the National uh, nice community were going to start in Belfast to put more pressure on the police. Um, and on, a, I think it was the 13th of August, um, Conway Street is one of the streets that runs runs from the falls to Shankill. At the bottom of Conway Street on the falls road end, there was a car show, showrooms that was petrol bombed and burned down. So on the 14th, most of the men from the Shankill gathered at the top end of Conway Street expecting another incursion or some kind of um, trouble. There was a Hibernian period on the falls that night and it didn't attempt to go anywhere near Conway Street, went on down past it, down Devil Street, and it then tried to um, come up Dover Street towards the Shankill. And there was a half dozen women and, and men and a few B specials that held them back until all the men, men came down. The tension had been that Hi. Um, that night it was that night that Bombay Street was burned. So it was, uh, Herbie Roy. Herbie Roy was shot dead, 
and Patrick McGreevy, an eight-year-old, was shot dead in Divis Flats. Um, I lived in the corner of Dover Street. I can remember standing. I was 11, actually, at this stage. Um, I can remember standing and looking up Dover Street, watching these tracer bullets flying up the street, convinced that the IRA were coming down to kill us all. Um, and just, I mean, it, they just thought this was it. So it's, um, the next day, um, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry to stop. Did, did, did you see? Did, were you there witnessing when the actual houses got burned out, or, or were you just no, no? I, I, I wouldn't have been allowed anywhere near that. Any of those scenes, I was because it was a lad. No, I wouldn't have been allowed anywhere near it. Um, in fact, because it was going on, um, my mother would have made sure that I was in the street. You know, when in Westmoreland Street, didn't want me out on the Dover Street. But I can remember standing at the corner watching the tracer bullets coming down and the uh, following day um, I along with a lot of peers the same age as me were making petrol bombs Molotov cocktails for the teenagers to um, use that the following night but about that afternoon I was standing and the British Army came in and they marched down Dover Street with steel helmets and fixed bayonets. They were like an invasion, invasionary um, force. Um, my ma pulled me in the ear to get you in out of the road out. Um, and they were fairly hostile towards the Protestants community when they seen Bombay Street, the state of Bombay Street. Um, they were hostile towards the Protestants at the, at the initial stages. Um, it's um a, a lot gets made, rightfully so. A, a lot gets made of the fact that when when those houses like like Bur the, the Bombay Street example, for, for example, were were getting burnt down, um, big mobs gathering that the RUC, uh, RUC were nowhere to be found. I'm not sure if the British Army were, were there at that stage, but but basically that those Catholics who whose house whose houses got uh got burnt out and and them kicked out were, were on their own, you know. Did, did, did it uh, did, did it seem like that? Was there like a conspicuous well, absence oh, of the RUC? It wasn't a question of, of the RUC, it was the V specials. And I mean, what I later found out in, in Long Cash from a, an older UVF man was that the, those tracer bullets were um, bullets that were being fired by the V specials over the heads of the crowds they're trying to disperse them. Um, they were firing them from uh, adopted Shoreland armoured cars. And it was, they were rotating them, um, shooting above people's heads, trying to disperse the crowd. But it, it, had, it had been getting anticipated over the three-day riots in Derry. And it just, just erupted that night and just couldn't be handled. You know, once, once the car showroom was done, um, I think... Uh, the Protestants of Shankle were just waiting for first opportunity. As soon as it happened, they were just totally um, unrelenting. I um, yeah, okay. So when you um, like when you look back, when you look back at like twelve-year-old Eddie running around, running around what was someone's home, and it's now a, a burnt-out shell. Um, God, how uh, well, first of all, how. How did it feel at the time? Did, did it feel like, like you you were involved in something bad or or, or victory? And and how how do you now view it? View it looking back. Um. Well, at the at the time, I mean, I can remember there was one of the streets, um, off Dover Street, that just about every house had been emptied. The families had all left, and they left loads of stuff in them, and. The kids my age were going in through the houses and just ragging everything. You know, we would have just been totally destructive and just didn't mean it was ridiculous. I mean, looking back on it, it was, you know, um, embarrassing to have been involved in it, I suppose. Project, too, you know, I mean, you, you, you probably wouldn't have got the full context of it at that age, but like, Looking back on it, it's 
God, it's a, it's a terrible thing to, to to have been involved in. We did it feel did it feel any bit like there was a like a victorious kind of feeling in the air that that that, that like among the Protestants that that, there, that they kicked out some Catholics and it was a good there, thing. There was a little bit of an element of that, all right. It would have been in terms of um, they were going to start here to um, put pressure on the police and and Derry, and we uh, put paid that. You know, we put a stop to it when, in fact, all she did was inflame it. Did um okay? So you, you were twelve at the time. Um, I, I might fast forward two years. You you were uh, you were kind of a party to something unbelievably horrific when when an IRA bomb um killed a lot of innocent people, and you you were one of the people who who were digging out um dead bodies from from the rubble. Um, not, not the same scale as we see now happening over in Israel and and Gaza, but but a similar thing. Like it, it it's not anything a fourteen year old boy, uh, a fourteen year old boy's mind should have to come to terms. You 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 said you were pulling out like like babies who were blown apart. Yeah, I mean the that was a Balmoral uh, furniture showroom on on a shangle. Uh, it's just around the corner from where I lived. Um, so as soon as I took it off, I was on the scene pretty. Pretty quickly, and I was on the chain gang lifting the rubble. Um, the the eighteen month old baby in a prom was killed. Um, uh, another two two or three year old. I think, I think the other child was. There was a Catholic killed in it. Um, two adults were killed, and that kind of way set my mindset, if they can do this to us, I'm quite prepared to do the same to them. And that's, that's the emotions of it. I mean, I can understand um, the emotions of the Israelis at the minute, you know, after Saturday. I mean, just and some of the stuff that you're hearing. I mean, it isn't reaching, it isn't reaching the, the British media the way it is other media. You know, it's a, it's it's being filtered here. Um we're not getting up to hear all of it. Um and the truth is what's happening on both sides now. You know? Did um do, sorry, do, do you remember um do you remember like like the evening, let, let's say like the evening you went home after after digging through the rubble and seeing seeing exploded bodies and stuff. Do, do, do you remember how how you went home and kind of processed that being being like the young teen just, you were. just angry, wanting wanting to retaliate, revenge. I mean, at that at that stage, I mean, I would have been starting to get involved with the Tartan gangs, um, and you, you you might explain them kind of briefly to to us. <laughs> um, at that stage, in nineteen seventy one. Um, there was a a gang of teenagers on the shangle, um, and they they named themselves a shangle young tartan SYT. You'd, you'd have seen it spread over the walls, and it, it was an amalgamation of all different groups of boys, teenagers that hung about different corners. Everybody knocked about different corners, um, and. At the weekends, um, you know, I went to discos and coming from the shangle, there's a disco just up above our down, uh, Alliance, that we would have attended. And the Ulster Boot Boys from Highfield, um, all Protestants, and we would have fought each other at the, at the disco. You know, the two gangs would have to, and there was a lot of infighting and particularly different elements of gangs. The, the Shankle Young Tartan, you had Agnes Street Tartan, um, Percy Street Tartan, um, Woodville Tartan, and they all would came together as the Lexa Linfield matches, Shankle Tartan. There was a number of rallies that took place, political rallies that took place in which the Tartan were used. Um, and eventually a lot of us Evolved from Tartan and the um, the 
the variant paramilitaries. When was it you officially joined the the UVF? You you, you were quite young, weren't you? Aye, it's just just before before I turned fifteen, I joined a um, young citizen volunteer, which is a junior wing of UVF. So this is what seventy two, Luca. Seventy three. Um, no, seventy. What about the end of seventy two? Yeah. So you, so you join as a teenager. What what are the first things? Do, do they throw you straight into training? Um, do, do they do they use you straight away? How how, how did it go? Well, the first meeting I attended, um, they asked for volunteers for operations, and I didn't put my hand up. I wasn't going to volunteer, and I, had, I hadn't had any training. And the guy who had invited me to join it asked me after the meeting why I hadn't volunteered for any operations, and I said, well. I expect to be trained first, and consequently, we did receive some training. Um, initially, you would have been involved in gathering intelligence. Um, uh, as, as a teenager, we, you 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 would have had a more su- support kind of role, I suppose, like transporting guns away from scenes, or, or like you said, being a lookout and, and so on. Yeah, there have been. Well, you, you graduated. I mean, <clears throat> you gradually got involved in different things. I mean, one of the crucial things that I found myself um, doing was procuring um, part-time police security officers' personal protection weapons. Coming in, you, you you were supplying guns for for people no, who were. No, we were part-time. Part-time police, part-time uh, police reserve, part-time uh, prison prison officers, and uh, part-time UDR. They would have had personal protection weapons at home, and I would have. We had a guy who was an insurance salesman, and he would have. Um, pretty much groomed the people, found out that they had a personal protection weapon, found out where they kept it. We would have went in and the full knowledge of where it was, and with a gun, to take his gun. Um, and we got to, took, took out they got quite a few personal protection weapons and never considered for one minute that they would have thought I was an IRA man coming in to shoot them. Never, never thought for one minute that I, how dangerous what I was actually doing was. You know, I mean, you, you're you're what age doing this? What, like fifteen? One fifteen. Was as, do, do, doing essentially an armed robbery, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, bloody hell! Man. Okay, so uh, th- th- these were all thefts, obviously. So, so you weren't you weren't working with them, but like through through the course of your your UVF time. Um, a lot gets made of um of collusion with um or you see in loyalists or uh, UDR in loyalists. Did did you did you come across mo- much of that? No, 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 really? no, no, no. I mean, and, uh, I know a few UVF men that have been shot dead for um being spotted speaking to um policemen. So I mean. But I mean, there have been there, there have there have been been a good number of cases where where RUC were, were passing information and and UDR were, were working hand in glove. You, you, you never come across I, I I have no doubt that there were individuals within those organisations. I don't think that there would have been a structural um, collusion. I can't see it. I think, but I think you would have individuals that have been sympathetic to specific paramilitaries and what. May, may have passed. They may, may not even been a, sympathetic to the organisation. They may have been um, friendly with a member of the organisation and provided them with information, um, potentially unwittingly. You know, some of them would have been members. Some of them would have been members of the Orange Order, as were paramilitaries, and things may have been discussed there. So not necessarily intentionally passing information. 
So, so uh, the likes of um, the likes of like John Weir now, who was who 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 was doing a lot more than than like passing a bit of information. He, he was very actively involved. Did you, are, are you saying that the fellas like him were were kind of um, what's the word? Just 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 kind of just kind of a random lone wolf that that, that there wasn't there kind of wasn't much of it. Like, I'm not aware of it. No, I'm pretty sure that there were people in in those areas. Um, that would have had connections with security force people and would have got information from them. Yeah, that that, that would be would kind of way make sense in that, and particularly in rural areas. Um, but I mean, yeah, like, like John a... John Weir's John Weir's information, I think, is questionable at the, from some of it. You know, from what I've been told, the, the the testimony the testimony he he's given forward. Yeah, yeah. Some of it's some of it's some of it's true. Some of it's questionable, and that's that's what I've been told. Um, what what um what parts just out of interest? I, I I know he uh in like the late nineties he he wrote like a big long affidavit where where he kind of outlined the stuff. Do, do you know like off the top of your head what what parts are said by 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 your sources to be to be un, untrustworthy? Like like what uh, name, like what I what. I can't remember to be honest. I mean, I I I had a conversation in relation to it because I, I know there's another ex-prisoner who was very friendly with him, um, in in the Crumlin Road, and he was very fond of John Weir, and I think he he would have accepted everything that John Weir has said. These other individuals are people that would have been um in a similar position to John Weir, and they would be saying. No, bit of a welter, my day about that. So, you you never came across fellas, um, like I know the likes of uh, the likes of Mark Haddock, just just to name one. He 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 was more in the nineties, but but like the likes of him now, where where you had fellas in the UVF who were also an RUC agent. Did did you ever you ever come across them? Yeah, I mean, it, it was obvious that he was an agent. Everybody knew that he was an agent. Um, uh, I mean, his was a classic um, case of yeah. When I came out of the case and got involved with a progressive unionist party, we were going around meetings and with having meetings with UVF groups um, in order to encourage them to get involved in politics, and the. There were people that were being told, you know, um, bring a bring a stop to an ACAP and bring a stop to punishment buttons. And some of them in the audience were coming back with justifications for continuing with them. And you'd be looking at them and saying, who's your handler? You know. Really? Uh, that, would have been, that would have been indicative of, of someone being... Really yeah. Like- yeah. Why, 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 why would an agent be more, more in favor of, of them continuing with the these kind of, you know, like I said, kneecapping, punishment, beating, so on? Why, why, why would an RUC officer be, or yeah, agent be more in favor? They, they want to become, come across as being more militant. Um, they want to be seen as uh, more militant, so it, um, they can hide behind it. Um, it'll make it easier for them to carry on passing information on the security forces. Interesting. I mean my my view my view the the how the conflict ended, I think that all the organizations were so heavily infiltrated um that they had to find a way to bring it all to an end. Um it was like a competition between um MI five, the military and Intelligence and the police intelligence special special branch competition between them to who's going to bring us to an end. You know, we've got that many people. Although to be fair, like when when people talk about um, when when people talk about like RUC like an RUC agent uh, in in the UVF, it's generally the ones who were going around killing um, and and often. Maybe with the knowledge of of their handlers and not doing anything about it. When when you're talking about, 
when you're talking about um like security force agents in the IRA, it's it's generally it's generally killing like like IRA men like like scapatiches and the like. Did did it, did it feel that way to you? Um, pretty sure that um they would have had a similar um level of um infiltration in all paramilitary organisations. So, so when um, you were... I, I, I also think that they had identified the hawks and the organizations that wouldn't go along on a ceasefire and they used a different organization to take them out before the ceasefires were called. So, so I'm, hold thinking on. Of, I'm thinking in terms of Laurie Morley and Ardoin. Um, he was taken out by UVF. Trevor King in the UVF, he was taken out by NLA. I think they were people that would have been opposed to ceasefires and peace processes and they were eliminated. And I think the people that eliminated... Under the order of of a security force handler, like... Yeah. I think that's right. It would be interesting to go through an investigation of those things around those periods. Um, They... It'd be fascinating. I mean, do, do, you, do you, as in like an Operation Canova, but for, but for, for in the UVF, like? <laughs> no, I, I think I have something there. So I went to, um, don't know if you've came across a, um, a WordPress um, blog called Balaclava Street. No. What's the claim they make? Hmm? What's the what's the claim they make regarding it? Well, no, he has he he's he's had access to quite a few uh, UVF men in order to write a book on the UVF, and they've all the all the whole organisation practically has cooperated with him, and he's he has got information that the security forces don't have. Um, uh, and he has been approached by somebody, a subset of that operation you just mentioned, or that investigation, who are looking into um, Dublin bombings and information in, uh, in relation to that. Speaking, so, of, speaking of John Weir, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think he had anything to do with that. Genuinely, you, you you don't think um you don't think John Weir w- would have had um anything to do with that. What what about what about Robert Nyrak? I I don't know if you have any any more knowledge than I would, but 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 do you think do you think there's anything to that to to Nyrak b- b- being involved in them? No, definitely not. Really? What? Why do you say definitely? Um, the information that Balaclava Street's got for his book. I introduced him to the people that provided him with the information. Um, so the devices were made in Belfast um, by key um, bomb makers in, in Belfast. Carter from Belfast. They were driven from from the that farmhouse. I, I can't remember exactly who owned it, but but there was a farmhouse used by by the group known as the Glennon Gang, and it's it's alleged it, it's proven that, that that both of the cars came from them. The one that went to Monaghan and the one that went to Dublin. Quite possible, that's the case. And and talking from the people who were involved in making the devices. Interesting. Okay. This person you said is writing a book. This isn't a book that's already been published, no. No, no, he hasn't. He hasn't completely. He hasn't finished it yet. But he's he's getting he's getting some information that's not in the public domain. Um, um, so sorry, just bring us back there a little bit. You you said okay when you were when you were like properly active, um, obviously not not after when when you came out of prison and and went went more into politics. But but when you're properly active. Did you then come across any of these kind of Mark Haddock, Brian Nelson types who were who were agents w- w- within your ranks? 
Um, I can't say that I, I did come across it. There were suspicions of um, one um, one guy who was on, under question in relation to two YCVs had been arrested and it said that the, the driver involved in the thing that they were arrested for um, had put their names into the hat for what they were arrested for. So he came under suspicion that I would have been involved in investigating them. And I thought there was no um, evidence of them. Did the did the UVF have um have like an internal security unit much like the the IRA's uh, nutting squad? Yeah, had a um, um internal discipline. Um, Provost Marshall was a key key person that would have looked at internal discipline and. Uh, could could you put a rough number on uh on the amount they they killed? I I, I know I I know with with the Notting Squad that you you can put you 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 can put a number on it. it. It may not be entirely accurate because a lot of it there's a lot of murders. I might have been done with them that 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 actually someone else. But 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 would you would you know approximately how many murders responsible? I, I, I wouldn't know um the the numbers. I I could think of three off the top of my head, but there's probably more. Um, it's just it's three UVF men that I know that were killed by the UVF. Um, so it would have been a provost marshal that would have pronounced that those sentences. You know, very good. Okay, we'll we'll get back to. And that would have been for the um, Shanga Rogue Battalion. Each battalion would have had their own provost marshal. So. These three, these three are these all um like I I'm not asking you to, to give me their names or anything, but but if I was to Google all of their names, would would it be known that they were killed by the UVF or or is it thought that they killed killed by someone else or died another way? Um, certainly known within UVF circles that that they were killed by the UVF. Um, externally, I'm not sure. I think, I mean, I I attended an event. Ex-prisoners get together where a lot of old pictures were put on a slideshow and put through. And on that slideshow was one of these prisoners that had been, or uh, an ex-prisoner, but it was one of these ones that was shot dead by UVF. And I said, oh, somebody's made a mistake here. Um, so there are dilemmas whenever it comes to commemorating um, some people that have been killed. Um, some people want to commemorate some that have been killed by the UVF and some want to deny them. Was it ever suspected that there was like a, a UVF steak knife where there was an agent who was um, who was going around uh, falsely labeling people informants and uh, and e- even in some e- even in some cases killing other informants in order to protect himself? What, what was there was there like like a UVF? Nobody, steak? nobody. I've never heard, never ever heard anybody talking openly about it but um there would be suspicions on some people yeah interesting uh, okay so we'll, we'll we'll get back to we'll, we'll get back to your own story there um those those who would have maybe done a bit of reading about you would know that uh when you were 16 um when you were 16 you you planted a bomb that uh, in, in a pub, it, it ended up ki- killing killing an innocent lady. Um, you you might if you could 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 you talk us through the like the build up to that, to, to this this huge event in your life. 